Hi, hello. The Manhattan Beach Education Foundation supports the students of our Manhattan Beach Public Schools in their academic journey with opportunities, opportunities that our district would not otherwise be able to afford. We partner with MBUSD to ensure that we are meeting the priorities of district leadership, educators, and parents to provide students with an excellent education. The global pandemic has made educating students more than a little bit challenging over the past seven months. We know the entire community, especially parents, are seeking information and MBEF wants us to help to keep us all in the know. Speaking with us today on our first In the Know podcast is MBUSD Superintendent Dr. Mike Matthews, who will speak directly about our elementary schools and our students in transitional kindergarten through fifth grade. We are fortunate to partner with Dan Helley, a parent in the district and professional sportscaster, to lead our podcast. He, like you, wants to learn more. Thank you, Hillary. I love In the Know. Hello, uh, Dr. Matthews. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Dan. Glad uh, to be here. I'm glad to be here as well. Let's uh, let's let's dig right in. Congratulations. We're going to uh, see some kids kind of back in school on this hybrid plan, and it looks like, um, if I read correctly, the latest newsletter, December 1st is the target date to get things going with that. First of all, thanks for reading the newsletter. <laughs> That's how you can be in the know. And uh, but uh, so, right. So we just uh, found out on Thursday that our five waivers were approved, and and so that gives us this week and next week to finalize the plans, and then uh, we have our Thanksgiving break, and then we start the following Tuesday. So that is our plan right now to have all five schools doing that. We're Still hearing from parents on what they want to do, whether they want to stay in distance learning or go into uh, the new hybrid program, but that's, we're moving forward. Well, walk me through what that's going to look like for these young students. Right. So first of all, what, what hybrid means is that that traditional schooling we all know where you have 24 students together in a kindergarten or first or second grade classroom isn't going to work. The students are too close together. And so what they do instead is they say, okay, we're going to take half of our students in one session and, and half another another time. And so while half are in the classroom, half are at home doing, you know, doing something else. And so that's the hybrid sense of that. So we're starting off slowly um, with it. And we'll have just um, on, on Tuesday morning, half of the kids will come in. Uh, for about a three-hour session uh, with their teachers, um, be all kind of new routines to get that need that teachers need to learn and that students need to learn, and then on Thursday the other half will come in. That will morph after a few weeks into um, uh, half the students coming in on Monday and Tuesday, and the other half coming in on Thursday and Friday. And then finally, we hope we can get to the point where we have half the students coming in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday morning, and the other half coming in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday afternoon. So that's kind of the general, you know, the general idea of it all. So I'm assuming with this age group that the parents probably going to be a whole lot happier than the kids that they're back in school. You <laughs> this know, is, it's what a, a crazy exactly, process for you guys. Uh, uh, if I'm a parent of a high school senior, right, and uh, for me, it's been it's. It's been difficult, obviously, and, I, and I'm really sad that my high school senior is not experiencing his senior year um, um, the way we all thought a senior year should be. But to be a parent of a kindergartner, first grader, second grader right now, uh, those parents are uber involved in what's going on, and it's a challenge for them. So I think this will be a relief for them when we get more and more of those students in school. No doubt. How, how are you going to handle the kids uh, who request 
to continue to distance learn instead of the hybrid program? So what we have to do is really create two different schools. We're going to create a hybrid school with, with a certain group of students and a distance learning school with another group of students. Um, we know that uh, some of our teachers cannot do be in person. They have uh, conditions or family members that uh, don't allow that. So we're going to have to change classes. We're going to have to put people in different places and make it work. And so for those students who are going distance learning, and I don't know why I move my hands while I'm talking about this, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we all move our hands. I, I like that you're do, animated. But, uh, um, for those students who choose distance learning, they might stay with their current teacher or they could move, but it should look very similar to what school looks like right now. Okay. I mean, um, there should be no giant change with that. It's the students who are going to hybrid that will see the big changes. When MBUSD submitted that required waiver for the TK through second grade students to return to school, you needed a letter of support from the city, the PTA, and the teachers' union. The letters were recently eliminated as a requirement. What does that mean? What does that say about MBUSD that you were able to provide them? So only a couple of us districts turned in on, on Friday, October 23rd, and that's countywide. Only a couple of us turned in applications with the letters of support from the union. It turned out not to matter, but I think it says a lot about our, our, our community. We, we sat down for a long time with our classified union, with our teachers union, talked through it with them. Um, they had big safety concerns for their members. And I think this starting slowly plan made them feel a lot better about the safety of it all. But it, 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 I think it's a testament to the amount of communication that we're doing and a, a growing amount of trust between us as well. I want to rewind quickly um, to, to something I forgot to ask earlier. In terms of the requirements for the kids that, that are going to be there in the hybrid programs and PPE, masks, what, how is that going to look? So different. I mean, it's just, it's just you know, it's what we see a lot of times when we're in any, any stores, but even more so. So um, first of all, everyone wears a mask. Uh, four-year-old, five-year-old, it doesn't matter. You're wearing a mask the entire time you're there. If you needed to take a drink of water outside, you can go outside and take your mask off out there. But everyone's wearing masks at all time. Um, we're going to have plexiglass shields um, uh, at each desk, at each student's desk. That's not really required because our student desks will be far enough apart, but our teachers felt more comfortable with those plexiglass shields being at the desk. There'll be a plexiglass um, like six foot shield in the front of the classroom that the teacher can stand behind if she wishes to. Um, so all that is going on. Uh, hand washing and hand sanitizing is happening throughout the day. So when students come in, they'll have their temperature scanned they'll have, and they'll be asked to sanitize their hands before going into the classroom. Time will be being available to do that even more as the, as the day goes along. A teacher will have a uh, shield if she, want, if she wants to wear it. Uh, and what a shield does, a mask protects others. A shield can protect you from that kind of, um, from any, any, any molecules of uh, moisture coming your way. So teachers have those options to use that. Distancing at all times, so six feet. So one of the tough things about it, I think, as a former teacher is, you know, walking up and down the aisles is a part of teaching, right? And, you know, kneeling down and sitting next to a student while he or she is working out a problem is what we do. And so that level of comfort and closeness is going away. And, and we'll have, instead, it's going to be off from a distance. So 
It will look very different. We're not going to do lunch on campus. We're not doing recess on campus. Um, all those things take a lot of uh, monitoring, um, and we don't really have that kind of manpower to be doing all that. So um, it, 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 I'll be very curious to see how our students react. In talking to other places, in spite of all those barriers, students love being back on campus. No, no doubt. How, how will they do lunch? Just no lunch at all? Uh, would they have the option to take a lunch with them if they're buying lunch from us, but just go home and take go home and eat lunch? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are already a limited number of, of high-needs elementary school students back on campus. How's that working out? It's working out well. It's interesting because uh, we're starting with some of our highest-need students, and uh, they often have more of a need for uh, the employees being close to them than than um, than do our uh, our non high need students. So this was a great test for us in, in trying to figure out how to make that work. Um, so we've provided extra uh, uh, PPE for those uh, employees working with that, both the teachers and the instructional assistants, and just to be um, super cautious uh, for their safety. Um, many of the parents have have said, even though we've offered, extended invitations to come in. They have said, no, thank you, we're not ready at this time. Um, but many have come in, and again, they're highly appreciative. We have a, a, a strong deaf and hard of hearing program, and for those students to be able to be on campus with us has been, uh, it brings a smile to your face to see what's going on with that. And we're, we're getting ready to expand this week our elementary programs, and next week our secondary programs, so it's growing. Are, we're down 500 students this year across the, the board in MBUSD? Right. We're, uh, our enrollment last year was somewhere between 64 and 6,500, and we're down to about 6,000 right now. We're seeing um, that, that phenomenon uh, true um, in, in a lot of places, particularly in more affluent places where they have options. Uh, some of our parents have taken their students out. Um, we've had parents who've moved to states where they offer in-person instruction. Uh, we have uh, places where they can go and attend one of these camps that has come up nowadays to, so they can go to school there. Um, so we have lost those students. Um, it has a couple of implications. Um, one is, it, in, in some ways, it makes it easier to implement this hybrid because the class sizes are lower. We can keep uh, class size, uh, we can keep the distances even greater. Um, but probably our main concerns are twofold. One is once the pandemic is over, how do we bring those students back? Um, where our, our tuition is cheaper than the private schools around, we think we'll, uh, we think we'll be very enticing. Uh, I'll put our, our education up, up against anybody. But a lot of times when someone goes to a new school, they like it, right? And so uh, we want to make sure we, we need to make a concerted effort to bring all those back. But then the second question is, how will it impact our funding? Um, because we get funded based on how many students are in our schools each and every day. And so that will be a hit. We won't, we won't take that hit this year, but we'll take it next year and want we'll to figure out what the hit will be. Do you know if the state will provide any supplemental funding? Yeah, the questions are supplemental funding or they provide some kind of hold harmless uh, arrangement in the budget. We find that out in January. Okay. Um, and uh, last year, there was a lot of haranguing about that in Sacramento and it ended up working out very well for us. And so we hope it does again. But we need to be prepared for what it could be. I know I've talked to friends um, who are involved in the Education Foundation, and they were they've been concerned for many months about the potential layoffs, and obviously with with COVID, that's affected the budget and, and a lot of different things. Are we looking at more potential layoffs down the road? 
Well, we would definitely look at um, a lower number of employees because of a lower number of students, right? Um, so at the very least, you have to adjust for that. Um, and so uh, I, I, it just so much depends on what the budget's going to be. We're being told right now to, to be optimistic about the budget, um, but uh, we're putting all kinds of, of scenarios in place, and, and, and one of those scenarios has to be layoffs. If the funding is dramatically worse and our number of students is, is significantly lower, then we have to have that idea in mind. We are, I like to think, one of the more supportive communities around in terms of the uh, PTA and the MBEF, um, but, but everything's down a little bit right now. Um, how can we as parents help you? Well, just to echo what you said, Dan, um, MBF is amazing, right? I, mean, I, I, I work with districts across the state and across the country, and no one matches our education foundation. They are phenomenal, and they're a model for others, and our PTAs are too. But in talking to Hillary and uh, attending the board meetings there and talking to our PTAs as well, their funding is down too. It's an interesting thing. Uh, people are upset about this pandemic and upset about the fact that, um, like every other school in L.A. County, um, we have limitations of what we can do. And so they call up the, uh, the Ed Foundation and say, I'm going to take it out on the Ed Foundation and not make a donation. When those donations are needed more than ever. Um, and so uh, to, if you're asking what I would say is, your, your donations are more necessary now than ever before. And so if your situations have not changed and you're able to do it, I encourage those donations to continue because MBEF is fighting the fight. They're fighting for, um, they, want, they, they want students to be going to school. They want the great programs they've always provided. And so they're, they're on our parents' side. They're on our side. And so if you're able, please continue to donate. I think that's all we have for now. I, I just do want to acknowledge we we didn't discuss when the older kids are going to be going back because we just don't know. There's no answers right now for that. Right. And I look forward to a future podcast about that because uh, I, I think it, it is huge. I mean, just, just one thing to say, starting our um, – Athletic training program has been a great thing for our high school. I mean, to walk over there and see swimmers in the pool and uh, you know tennis people uh, playing tennis and badminton, uh, you know, in, in surrounding areas, basketball over the courts of MBMS, um, beach volleyball and surf, surfing happening. Um, even though they're being super safe and not sharing equipment uh, beyond what the, what's uh, allowed by the county, it's great to see kids doing something. And so. At least there's something happening at the high school level, but uh, you're right. I mean, we are in the purple tier in Los Angeles County, and until we get into the red tier, um, having those high schools go back to even a hybrid schedule will be very challenging. But I look forward to talking more about that in the future. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Hillary. Thanks for having me as well. This was uh, this was fun. I got to I got to learn a little bit, and I know you want our kids back in school as much as we do. So yes, I, I, th I know we all do. So thanks, Dan, for your time. Thank you, Dr. Matthews. <laughs>